Welcome everyone. We're about to begin. This is Hashem Shalom Bayez, Shir number 364. Uh, last year we were talking about how a couple, a married couple, are opposites. And at the same time, that is where their Shlemus is. This is how they, um, Hashem works with them to become aligned. And what, what one needs to understand is that Hashem made it this way. That very often the opposites affect that oneness, shows that oneness in the Bria and in, in, and in the way HaKadosh Baruch created the world. If you look at the Sefer Das Tfunas of the Ramchal, he talks about it overall, about talking about the Achtas, the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and his oneness is manifested by the fact that he created all these opposite concepts that ultimately they all point to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the same thing applies by marriage. He created you, and he knows your strengths and your weaknesses and exactly what you need. And he created a perfect counterpart, your husband or your wife, for you. And they balance each other perfectly. That doesn't mean it'll always be easy to adjust. Doesn't mean there won't be bumps in the road. But that is the perfect match for your journey in your growth and your and, and in your life situation. And it's always helpful to remember this is something obvious, but it's something that's difficult uh, when you're going through uh difficulty in life, is that to remember that Hashem knows what He's doing. Hashem knows what He's doing, and it's not by accident that He made men and women so different from one another, and that He made your wife or your husband so different from you. It's not uh, that He, you know, we talked about that story in the Gemara where this Roman noblewoman tried to match the slaves together, and it was a disaster. Hashem doesn't do these things. He doesn't just mix people up in a, in a bag and just pulls out two people and say, okay, you're going together. No, he has a deep, deep plan for each one of you, that with your blend of your own midas, your tendencies, your inclinations, Hashem determined that what's best for you in this world for personal growth and to ultimately get to the point of your true happiness is to be married to this person and Hashem is the Makara type. He's the source of good. He created this world to share his good with others. And again, this is something that we need to really knock into our heads because we do see suffering in the world, you know, all over the world. But we to, to, to remember of all the Hasadim Hashem does for us and his Hatava to us and his goodness always needs to be remembered. And what marriage does a lot is it, it really puts you in a situation where you need to put someone else's interest ahead of your own. And that's a catalyst for great growth. It's the most rewarding experience, marriage, in the human experience. But the idea of Hollywood, he goes through it, Ben Sien Schaefer in his book, you know, boy meets girl, they fall madly in love, and they live happily ever after. Those are fantasies that never really happen, never will happen, because marriage requires hard work and a lot of work. And that's what it is. When you have a great marriage, that means you put in a lot of great work. And the learning to live together, that is where self-growth happens. It is the difficult area in marriage, the learning to live together. But when you work through it, and you learn, and you adapt to the needs of that other person, your husband or your wife, it makes you puts you in a situation where you have to become a bigger person and a better person. And that's what actually happens. You become a bigger, better person as a result. 
Again, just like we said that there's a pillar of love called learning to live together, which is the challenging part of marriage. There's also another pillar called love. There is a real thing of love. Maybe not the way Hollywood depicts the love, but it is a real, real thing. And that means, you know, really working on the relationship. And this is could, could be a lot of fun. And it's healthy. And it has a great impact. But while love is never alone enough, like we said many, many times, you need respect, you need commitment, you need loyalty, and you need the working hard against your nature very often. But if your relationship is strong in that love, that means you're both married to each other. Uh, you become your best friends with one another. You're more tolerant with one another, more forgiving to one another. And if there's that bound of love, then you both have the energy and the motivation to take on difficult work that needs in order to change. So that's a very, very important aside in marriage. Now, in Rebensin Schaefer's book, he goes through the whole story with Yaakov Avinu, with Rachel, which we're not going to get into over here. Like I said, it's recommended to read the book and look, not just once, but really, really look it over many times because he has a lot of tremendous Yisaitis in it. And so so he goes through a, a whole mahalach with, with Yaakov Avinu and, and Rachel and Leah, which we're really not going to get into. We may just touch upon it. But in order to understand in general the dynamics of marriage and the work you are to have when you're in this world is to understand what a person really is. And to understand what you are is that every person has a body and a soul, a guf and a neshama. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu put the drives and desires that are necessary for the continuation of the human species in the body. Desires for physical pleasures is not an unhealthy thing in and of itself. It's a healthy thing to maintain the survival of the human race. And they are, they are in man just like they are in animals. And, and if you use these um, yearnings for physical pleasures in the healthy right way, the way Hashem designed to implant it in a person, it creates a certain strength. And, um, and if he uses them, he will he will, he will, you know, get to his shlemus, but there is a part of him, which is the neshama part, Chayvah Salvavus brings this down, that will look at this matzav in this world, because it's a stranger, it's come from a very high source, Chelik Alakami Mal Mamish, that that soul part of it looks down at any matzav that are, you're in this world, and, and, and he looks down at that, those things. So that is the dichotomy, the opposite points of a man's essence, which is its neshama, and then the animal soul. Now, when we use the word I, we, we think of both as one. We, we, do, we mix the two together. But the neshama comes from the Kiseyah Kavad. It's pure, it's holy, it's lofty, and has no benefit from the pleasures of this world. Then there's the animal soul, which is similar to an animal. All the desires and instincts that need, the, the one needs to keep them alive, to keep a person alive. And the neshama doesn't quite understand this part of it. But we are different because of this than the animals. Because animals, in essence, it's their instincts that direct them all the time. So the way he explains it is that a dog is attracted to other certain types of objects and repelled by others. They do certain things and they don't like certain things. They form a connection to their master. They would even risk their life defending their master. Every animal has a part of them that's living 
but it's and 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 that part isn't mamish physical. There is an animal soul within an animal also. That's part of that essence. And the uh, God implanted an animal soul with all their drives in an animal that's needed for their survival. So explains a, a, a cat hunts mice by instinct. A bird eats worms because of an inner urge to do so. And and it's not like the bird thinks, okay, I need some uh, protein or whatever it is, and, and therefore I'm going to capture things and digest my food. doesn't think along this way. It's an instinct built into the bird. The hungers for that worm. It does, it's a natural in, inclination. It brings out fascinating things here that he, you take Siberian tigers that were orphaned at birth and were bore, brought up, let's say, in a zoo or in a care center that human beings have, and then they, they fed them bottled milk all growing up, and then you let them loose. They'll begin hunting deer in the wild because deer is a natural sor- food source for Siberian tigers, and that's what they pursued. Now, these tigers never met a deer, never saw a deer, and they never saw it being hunted down. They were always, let's say, in a, in a closed environment. They come in. God puts in them the instinct regardless. They have the tools and the aptitude to know what a deer is and capture it, kill it in order to eat. With mating also, it works the same way. They don't have this thought process um, with mating. I saw fascinating, actually. I went to a um, place where they had these birds in a ca- in the huge cage, these little birds. And I saw, interesting, the male, a male bird pursuing, I was watching it for like 10 minutes, pursuing the female. And when the female was near another bird, this bird went straight in the middle. The female tried to run away, you chased it. Fascinating stuff. But again, it's instinct. Now, man also has an animal soul for physical things. He needs to eat, he needs to sleep, he needs to procreate. And it's in order to stay alive. And um, so one needs to understand both drives within them. With an animal, though, it's a little different. The dog feels like mating, it mates. The instinct rules. By a person, he has this um, intelligence that's beyond the animal instinct. And it's moyach shalat alalev. We have that uh, uh, ability to control our natural instincts. And those two elements of man are opposites one another. And each one fights with each other. And the Tanya has fascinating discussions about all of this. And it really is like exercising a muscle. The more you use your spiritual side of yourself, the more you'll be able to control your own desires in the animal instincts and direct it in the right way. And it's a little different, it's a lot different than animals, actually. Animals' desires were set at birth, and they may fluctuate, but within a range. Man has the ability to control the intensity of their desires. He could control his animal instincts, and they go less and it'll be easier for his spiritual side to dominate. And that's a very, very important insight. And life is a battle very often between these two forces. When he uses his spiritual side to harness his animal soul, and that is the healthy thing. It's like a captain steering a ship. And the the divine soul is steering the ship, ship of a human being this is the way God wants it to work, and the animal soul, soul follows in, in, in line. So you could engage in intimacy and a loving marriage and bring children into the world, and the pleasure of physical intimacy is there for a purpose, and it's, and it's a healthy thing. But it's very important to always have you in a shama in mind as you're doing this, because that elevates you. And we said before that even the physical pleasures between a husband and a wife in that realm 
is all it's different than animals because here it's for a divine purpose. And we said before that even if it's healthy, and it is healthy, to occasionally be recreational and be playful or to play or, or to be spontaneous with one another and a certain lightness, like we explained, which is healthy, but we all know nevertheless that it's always for that purpose, for that purpose of strengthening the marriage and connecting, putting two human beings together in that in that realm. But if one allows the animal desires to prevail, it rules over them, and it sort of blocks his intelligence, and he's more or less uh, an animal in the shape of a man. And we need to learn to balance this. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for help with this, and we need help to, to work with it. Anshe Kaidesh, we are holy men. We are men. We are humans. But we need to direct this. And this is the living contradiction we live in that we live with these two opposite natures, the body and the soul. And the key really is, even though we said before that they always fight with each other and they're opposites, but we need to work on making shalom between the two. I remember the Mother Minska once said, like this, the Zechitzadikov Rachel, he said that people need to remember the soul needs to be in the driver's seat, you know, in your life. The soul in the neshama is in the driver's seat is leading your life and it carries the body where it needs to go and it directs the body what you know how to work it now we explained there when we were talking about this is the other part of this muscle about the, the shop he said that if you have the body take over the driver's seat then the car will fly off a cliff you know and, and and it will go a hundred miles per hour and and whatever it is very dangerous if you let the animal soul be the driver's seat in your life you need the soul to be the driver's seat in your life but we did explain though you, the, the the body though is a happy pa- it needs to be a happy passenger if you have a solemn body as a muscle as a muscle in together on a long road and the body says i'm hungry uh, and the soul says, well, don't worry about food. It's, you know, relax, you know, whatever it is. At some point, if you neglect completely the, 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 the body, the passenger is just going to jump out <laughs> and, and, or, or going to take over the steering wheel uh, from, the, from, the, from the soul. I need to eat. So a soul can't neglect the healthy needs of the body. But nevertheless, the soul always needs to be in control. And, and in marriage, it works a lot with that dynamic. Dynamic. It's 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 the exercise of controlling um, and self mastery and growth. That you look out for your spouse. You're del- dedicated for their will welfare. Very often, you're putting their interests before our own. And this doesn't happen naturally or easy. Even if you're a nice person, and even if you normally help a friend, marriage is more demanding. That's what we said very often. It's not the litmus test of that you help other people, which is wonderful. But if you neglect helping your own husband, your own wife, that shows that you're really not there yet. It shows that you're not really up to that point. And that's really the test. Because marriage does require you to constantly give to another. And one of the great forces that allows you to do that is love. And the love is not just a physical love or from the animal soul, but it's a love that comes from the neshama. That's what you learn, that love when you love something, some somebody, you want what's best for them, and you want to give to them, and you're willing to give up a lot of your needs for them. And this is a not an easy journey, but this these are tools that allow the husband and wife to bond together. And that is very, very important to understand.
Now, there are some animals that we learn from that are also, most animals are simply not monogamous. Basically, they, they mate, but the horses could mate from one horse to another horse, and a dog, when it has that instinct, will search out any mate and leave it, search out another one. There's no alliance, there's no allegiance to a partner. There are situations in, that Hashem created in, 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 in animals where they last, that their connection is forever. Swans is an example. Swans is a type of bird that once they, they have a courtship and they mate and then they're bonded, they fly together, build a nest together, incubate their eggs, they take turns. And uh, the female swan does not tempt the male swan and they don't tempt each other. They're faithful for life. They remain together season after season. When one dies, its partner generally will mourn and will not seek out another mate. Penguins, there's a famous video about penguins. That's Kadai to, 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 to uh, watch. They also have this strong bond. Uh, but they talk about how the female lays the eggs, balances, because it, it touches the ice ground, it will crack and the chick will die. It's heart-wrenching when you see it does crack and, and how they react to it. It's, it's just very, very... Uh, moving to see that, and 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 then the but but when the when it lays it, the male covers the egg, stays there. The female goes out hunting, and she returns. The 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 the, 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 the chick is already hatched. She goes fifty miles or more to find an area of open water and does hunting. She builds up her body fat. The male stands protecting the egg in ninety mile per hour winds and cold, and remains in place protecting that egg. And two months later, and he loses, he doesn't eat, and he loses 35% of his body fat. Finally, the egg hatches, the female returns to feed the chick, and then and they huddle together very often. And what happens is, is that when the female comes back, it goes through, if there could be a whole group of 25,000 pigeons, it'll go straight to their mate. It doesn't care about the other males there, the female, or the female, or the male after it hunts and comes back goes through thousands of females, goes straight to their mate, and they care for one another. Now, them, it's an instinct. It's an instinct, but it's, it's, it's something, a musahaskal, that we learn from that, that we, this is the way we're supposed to understand that. And we have Bechira. We have Bechira, and we have to be, be careful. And this is the idea of Aina, of, of, of giving the time and attention and love. And to go on the other side of this, and we're going to explain, this is one something I wanted to really emphasize is that people feel awkward about the concept of physical intimacy because they think it's all coming from that animal soul and it's animalistic. But it is over here, it's not true that way. It takes time to appreciate that in marriage, especially if you were brought up separate and with, with the healthy aspects of Kedusha and now you're married. But very often the distance and the uncomfortableness is because you feel completely vulnerable and you're not hiding behind any masks. There's no separation. And very often people run away from physical intimacy. They think it's extra holiness and things like that, but really it's because of a fear of a vulnerability. And this is something very, very important to understand that that is not so. And what we need to understand also is that when a husband and wife join each other physically, it brings them as one entity together. That's the Alkenyazov Ish as other the Imai Vedava, but Ishtai Vahayu Labasar Echad. The Neshama was one, got separated, and now united, reuniting in an act of bonding. So a healthy aspect of marriage is part of a healthy aspect of life.
to understand like what, you, what we just described in this shear about the soul and the body that the soul always needs it to be in the driver's seat but the body cannot be neglected by the soul and there needs to be shalom between them even though they're naturally opposed to one another you need to use it with seichel and understanding and to understand that once that happens and there's a connection of body and soul then the physical intimacy is a real powerful soul act that participates together with it and it and and it and it and then that is where the body is not animalistic. It's similar to Einig Shabbos with good foods and everything like that. You have tasty few foods and you thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it. Then that actual physical pleasure of it, because you thank Hashem and you have a karzatayv, or it's used to bond the husband and wife together in physical intimacy, then that's how you elevate the, the body aspects, the animal aspects of it, to a very high level. And that is really the key. And to understand this, to understand that uh, the fact that your opposite Hashem knows what He's doing, and it's it's part of your self growth. And when you go through it, and you work through it, that's where the marriage shows the tremendous. You see it, the tremendous amount of bracha and simcha, and oneness that you feel that is not paralleled by any other relationship in this world. Bracha and atzlacha.